This is episode 28, Unnecessary Suffering. This podcast is for parents that want solutions, not just sympathy for the many personal struggles that come with raising children with special needs. Welcome to Parents Have Special Needs Too, and I'm your host, Ashley Johnston. Welcome back. Let's do this. All right, so what I want to do today, actually the next several podcasts, is I'm going to go over some concepts or ideas or things that I would just tell myself that that twenty the 2022 version of myself, what would I tell myself in 2016, which is when we started to learn about the struggles that my daughter was going through. Um, what would I tell her then that I know now that would hopefully be helpful to her in processing what's going on, helpful to myself, right? And what's go, what was happening then. So today, what, what I would tell myself, as mentioned in the title, is that to let go of all the unnecessary suffering. Because the process of finding out that your child's life will be drastically changed or limited is already such an emotional ride. At least it was for me. And because um, there was a lot of grieving of, oh, she's not going to have the life that I thought she was going to. What She's sick with all of these things. What if she never talks? Uh, her physical abilities are not what's normal. She's not developing normal. I mean, there were still a lot of unanswered questions, which is actually a huge breeding ground for unnecessary suffering. So before I go too far, let me define and make clear what I mean by unnecessary suffering, which also lends to the idea that there is a suffering that is necessary, which isn't like a beautiful, I guess, idea. I mean, unless you believe in like, you can't have peace and joy without some sort of opposition to that, like suffering. So in that way, I guess suffering could be beautiful. Um, anyway, okay. So what is the difference between Necessary suffering and unnecessary suffering. So let's look at necessary suffering. Necessary suffering is something that I would define in terms of a cleansing process or kind of the base process that we start with when something happens. So for me, or probably for a lot of you parents out there, when you learn that your child has a, a disability or a disorder or a disease or something that's going to drastically change their life, it is sad or terrifying or shocking or something like that. You have an initial reaction. For me, it was a grieving of like, oh, like, I'm I'm losing something. And for me, it was losing the idea that my child was going to be normal and grow up normal, and that we'd hit all the, the joyous milestones that everyone else was hitting, that we would, you know, that I would have those first word moments. And um, I mean, you get where I'm going. All of the, the initial beautiful developmental milestones that makes parenting fun, you know. And... um that I was grieving that I would not be having those or grieving the idea that I wouldn't because I, at the time, I just didn't know. I didn't know 
what it would look like, what would happen. But I knew that all the doctors and the therapists were telling me, hey, like, this isn't just a couple months and we're going to be done. Like, this is significant. And I didn't understand that. And so I was definitely in denial. And then when it wasn't going away, there was a significant sadness and grieving and anger and, you know, all those things. And um, that was all necessary to go through the process. And something that can help you distinguish the difference between a necessary suffering or sadness and one that's just added on top of that, which I would deem as unnecessary because it's something that we layer on top of the necessary suffering. Um, so if you're experiencing an emotion that is necessary, it would feel cleansing, like a good hard cry that you feel cleansed or good after. That You know, it feels like you've moved through something, like there's You've moved energy in your body. You've moved the emotion through your body and you're coming out on the other end feeling more cleansed. Whereas an unnecessary, I guess, emotion, because that really is what suffering is, right? To at least the suffering I'm talking about, not a, I stubbed my toe and it really hurts kind of a like sensational pain or suffering in the body, but I'm talking more of the emotional suffering, um, right? Sadness or anger or shame or any of those, any emotion, right? So an unnecessary emotional suffering would be one where, for example, if you have a good hard cry because you're feeling angry, you don't come out on the other end of that ugly cry, feeling cleansed or feeling like you've processed something and you've moved yourself in your emotional state. You are still angry or resentful or um, whatever negative emotion you may be feeling that is, that is, feels like suffering. Um, so I hope that that makes sense, right? So necessary suffering is accepting and processing the natural emotions that we have when we encounter um, a failed expectation or just a hard experience, the death of a family member. For, uh, for us, it's um, learning about our child's disability, disease, or disorder that we know significantly can change their life and ours, right? Um, and grieving through that process, letting go of, you know, who you thought your child would be, what you thought your child would be like, um, um, etc. Right, though, though that is natural processing. Whereas the unnecessary suffering is the necessary suffering we place on top of that, which is um, most what I have noticed is fighting it, fighting the reality of what's happening, being angry about it, being resentful um, about it. Anyway, I hope that makes sense. I'm actually going to give a couple more examples. Um, because I just find it's incredibly helpful for me. So in my process, um, the unnecessary suffering, it took me a long time to see what I was creating, but what it was, was I was really resisting this idea that um, my daughter had issues. Because as far as I could tell, and any of the doctors that I saw after she was born was normal and healthy. 
And it wasn't until eight months in that we started noticing, okay, like there are, there, there's problems here. She's not growing and she seems sick. And so for me, the process was slow. Like it wasn't in utero that I was informed that there was an issue or anything like that. And when she was born, there was no telltale signs that there were issues. And so I was in denial for a long time. I was resisting a lot of what the doctors and therapists were telling me. And I was feeling resentful towards them, um, which was really unnecessary. And then I started to pit myself against them in, in kind of this war. We were fighting and I had to go see them anyway because I they had expertise that I needed, but I didn't trust them. Right. And so I had kind of the skepticism going on and it just made it really hard. And then every time that my daughter would struggle at another milestone, it was anger and frustration um, that this was just happening. So you can see that that resistance to reality was going on for for a while. And all of that was really kind of unnecessary Um, At the time, it definitely felt necessary because that's where I was in my mental space. But had I known now what I had um, known then what I know now, I would have let that go and gone through the process of grieving. And that would have made it a lot um, easier. And now I also wanted to clarify, like if I could also tell myself, hey, just because you're going through grieving and you are... um, in a way, accepting the reality of what's happening right now, it doesn't mean that you're giving up on your child. And that was really what I was resisting was I thought that by accepting where my daughter was and where I was with it, that I was um, giving up on her and me that I was giving up on dreams that I had. And I, I don't know how many of you parents out there this happens to, but I felt a lot of resentment where I was like, oh, like I didn't sign up for this, (laughs) right? I didn't sign up for this. I didn't, I didn't, I don't want to have to care for a child my entire life, right? And I think that this can definitely come across as selfish and perhaps it is. Um, But it really was where I, where I was at the time was I was feeling like trapped almost, And I didn't know how to handle it other than fighting it and being like, no, because if she doesn't get better, then I'm trapped forever taking care of her possibly at a, um, you know, that she doesn't go past elementary developmental levels. And that was scary. And I think that was really the necessary or the the, the primary emotion there was I was scared because I didn't know what was going on, but I didn't want to process or embrace my, my, my fear or my, or feeling scared. And instead of finding a place of comfort or comforting myself, um, I resisted it and became resentful and, and angry. And the resentment and anger was not helpful. And that's how I eventually, after some coaching and therapy, I was able to realize that, okay, like I'm creating all this unnecessary suffering on the top. And what I really need to do is go down to the bottom and go, look, I'm scared. That's okay. I don't know what's going to happen. And right now it's uncomfortable. And that is really what I need to learn to embrace, (coughs) excuse me, is 
the discomfort of not knowing. And that's just kind of where it was for a long time. And the obviously not sleeping at all. (laughs) And not only because she was really young, but because uh, we were going through tube feeding stuff. All you tube feeding parents out there, you know what I'm talking about. All right, um, I've actually strayed from my notes, so I'm going to go back to my notes because what I have written here, it's another example of unnecessary suffering. Um, I find it's also very helpful that I wish I could have sat down with my past self and been like, here's what's happening and here's how you can move past this and it can, um, you could really help yourself out here. So, um, So, okay, when I first started realizing that Elizabeth had significant health issues back in 2016 and that the therapist said, hey, you know, this is going to take years to resolve. I moved to denial, which I had mentioned earlier. And I would tell myself that it was just a phase, right? That I'd grow out of it. She would grow out of it. But when she didn't, I added an extra layer of suffering, telling myself that she wasn't progressing because of me. Now, I don't know how many of you have told yourself that, right? That if I did better if I tried harder or if I was more consistent with her therapy, right? Because they, the therapists tell you, we'll do this at home a couple times a week. And then, you know, then they come back once a week and evaluate and do a little therapy and prescribe what you should do the following week again, right? And I was like, if I did better at that, then she would get better quicker. Or for those of you that are religious, if I had enough faith, right? If I have enough faith and I believe she should be healed, then she can be right? Or, or he, if, if your child's a he. And, and then I would tell myself that, you know, because she wasn't getting better, that it was my fault. I wasn't doing enough, didn't have enough faith, wasn't consistent enough, wasn't trying hard enough. And that's why she wasn't progressing. And at that point, shame really stepped into the picture, um, which is the narrative that, you know, if Elizabeth wasn't getting better, it's solely my fault. I should feel ashamed because that's what made sense with that kind of a narrative. And even, and I don't know if your brain takes you here, but it's, well, obviously maybe you just don't care enough or, or you're too weak, right? There's not enough of you. You're too tired. And this kind of a narrative became very toxic for me, but I couldn't see past it. And so I continued to beat myself up with this shame for a long time. And you can only handle these self-beatings for so long, right? And at that point, I because I couldn't handle it, I moved into an apathetic kind of a state, uh, which wasn't helpful for me or my family or my daughter. And it took me a while to realize... Um, that I was in denial and that I wasn't accepting what was happening. Um, and that if I did that, um, it was like giving up on my daughter. Right. Um, and what I would tell myself now is just be sad. Like you can be an emotional mess. You don't have to be the strong one. You don't have to all the time, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and be like, nope, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to take care of it. I'll take care of everything. I'm going to do it all. And to allow myself to have a moment where I can break down and sob and cry and actually feel for me, the sadness of what was going on. And had I done that, which I did do later, um, 
I could have moved through some things and seen a little bit more clearly how I could actually show up and help my daughter. Because what I noticed years later was happening was that I was fogging up my mind so much with so much of the shame and the self beatings and the, hey, if I showed up better, she would be better dialogue that I actually was missing out on what I could be doing that would be helpful. Like I couldn't see it. I couldn't get past my own pain um, because I stopped in it and resisted it. And I know it might seem counterintuitive, but if you're at this point, stop beating yourself up and just take a moment to be like, wow, this really sucks. And I just need to break down and cry and I need someone to hold me or if I'm alone, sit there and hug yourself. (laughs) And it really does help. I promise. And as you move past or process your basic fears and sadnesses, you will move to a place where you have more energy and a clear mind. And then you get to decide where to go from there. And it's very much worth it. So all you parents out there, it's a hot mess, looks ugly, but we got this. Let go of all the unnecessary suffering, become aware of what's going on, and get some of that energy back that you desperately need for yourself and then for your kids. 